0: Emma, Volume 1, Part 5, Chapters 13-15 As we look ahead to future chapters, look for this pattern in Emma's behavior. When she is on familiar ground, she tends to be responsible and generous. But when she is outside her domain, her conversation often turns reckless. Chapter 13 opens as Christmas approaches and John and Isabella Knightley are making a short visit to Hartfield. They plan a gathering at Randall's, the house of the Westons. One minor wrinkle is that Harriet Smith comes down with a cold. She is feverish and has a bad sore throat, and is being cared for by Mrs. Goddard. On a visit to check on her friend, Emma and her brother-in-law run into Mr. Elton, who is on his way to visit Harriet as well. He expresses much concern. A sore throat? I hope not infectious. I hope not of the putrid infectious sort. Has Perry seen her? Indeed, you should take care of yourself as well as of your friend. Let me entreat you to run no risks. Why does not Perry see her? There follows a discussion about Harriet Smith's health, and this delights Emma because she feels that Mr. Elton is concerned about Harriet. But Mr. John Knightley, who, like his brother, is rather perceptive, mentions that Mr. Elton, quote, "...seems to have a great deal of goodwill toward you." Me, she replied with a smile of astonishment. Are you imagining me to be Mr. Elton's object?" such an imagination has crossed me i own emma and if it never occurred to you before you may as well take it into consideration now mr elton in love with me what an idea i do not say it is so but you will do well to consider whether it is so or not and to regulate your behavior accordingly i think your manners to him encouraging i speak as a friend emma you had better look about you and ascertain what you do and what you mean to do. This refers to the fact that in Austen's time, it was considered very bad form for a woman to encourage a man's advances if she had no interest in him. Since her encouragement was one of the only ways that a woman could express her affections, and properly speaking could only be done in response to his expression, Such encouragement could very well be seen as a green light to a marriage proposal. Emma is astonished and perplexed by her brother-in-law's perception, and she believes it to be erroneous. As they plan for the gathering at Randalls, Mr. John Knightley is very grouchy about the prospect of going out in winter weather. One thing we learn about Mr. John Knightley in this chapter is that he likes to stay home. He is not much of a socialite. A man, said he, must have a very good opinion of himself when he asks people to leave their own fireside and encounter such a day as this. For the sake of coming to see him, he must think himself a most agreeable fellow. I could not do such a thing. It is the greatest absurdity, actually snowing at this moment, The folly of not allowing people to be comfortable at home, and the folly of people's not staying comfortably at home when they can. If we were obliged to go out on such an evening as this by any call of duty or business, what a hardship we should deem it. And here we are, probably with rather thinner clothing than usual, setting forward voluntarily without excuse, in defiance of the voice of nature, which tells man in everything given to his view or his feelings to stay at home himself and keep all under shelter that he can, here are we setting forward to spend five dull hours in another man's house with nothing to say or to hear that was not said and heard yesterday and may not be said and heard again tomorrow, going in dismal weather to return probably in worse Four horses and four servants taken out for nothing but to convey five idle, shivering creatures into colder rooms and worse company than they might have had at home. This is Mr. John Knightley's opinion of social visits, as we will see he has a way of agitating Emma's father about such matters. On the carriage ride to Randall's, Emma and Mr. John Knightley and Mr. Elton are traveling together. Mr. Elton, Emma feels, is not sufficiently worried about Harriet Smith. He is looking forward too much to the evening, even though Harriet is not going to be there because of her illness. So Emma is displeased with Mr. Elton's cheerfulness. Mr. Elton happens to mention being snowed in at a friend's house once for a week, And this arouses Mr. John Knightley's irritability, who says, I cannot wish to be snowed up a week at Randall's. The conversation subsequently turns to small talk, and Mr. Elton asks Mr. John Knightley about the kinds of parties he might visit in London. And the latter says only, I know nothing of the large parties of London, sir. I never dine with anybody. Chapter 14 is one of the chapters that involves a gathering of the community. One of the rhythms of the novel is that we periodically see the community gathering for one event or another. As they arrive at Randall's, quote, Mr. Elton must smile less, and Mr. John Knightley more, to fit them for the place, end of quote. This is one of those delightfully subtle Austin observations. They have discussed Harriet's cold, and Emma begins to speculate about the warning that Mr John Knightley had given her but she still doesn't get it quite right quote, "Can it really be as my brother imagined can it be possible for this man to beginning to transfer his affections from Harriet to me absurd and insufferable" End quote. Emma knows that the knightley men are rather perceptive she calls them penetrating, but she wrongly assumes that if Mr. Elton is indeed interested in her, that he must be transferring his affections from Harriet. The group begins to discuss Mr. Frank Churchill, Mr. Weston's son, who has still not paid him a visit to congratulate him and to visit his new stepmother. We get some thoughts from Emma that the name Frank Churchill, whom she has never met, has always fascinated her, She begins to fantasize that if she ever were to marry, she might very well marry someone like Frank Churchill. There is something romantic about the name. In the community conversation about Frank's failure to visit his father and his father's bride, Emma says, "'He ought to come,' said Emma." If he could only stay a couple of days, he ought to come, and one can hardly conceive a young man's not having it in his power to do as much as that. A young woman, if she fall into bad hands, may be teased and kept at a distance from those she wants to be with. But one cannot comprehend a young man's being under such restraint as not to be able to spend a week with his father if he likes it. This refers to the social obligation and family obligation that Frank has toward his family. Even though he has been raised by his aunt and uncle, he still owes his father something. Chapter 15 is a very important chapter. We are still in the gathering at Randall's, and we obtain some more insight into the character of Mr. Elton. Mrs. Weston and Emma were sitting together on a sofa. He joined them immediately and, with scarcely an invitation, seated himself between them. This gives us the first hint that Mr. Elton may not be as well bred and gracious as he seems. They discuss Harriet Smith's sore throat, and the narrator tells us, But at last there seemed a perverse turn. It seemed all at once, as if he were more afraid of its being a bad sore throat on her account than on Harriet's, more anxious that she should escape the infection than that there should be no infection in the complaint, quote. The narrator goes on to tell us that Mr. Elton wants Emma to promise him that she will not venture into the sick chamber, and then says that Emma, quote, was vexed. It did appear there was no concealing it. Exactly like the pretense of being in love with her instead of Harriet. End quote. Soon, the members of the party learn that it is snowing, and this causes considerable anxiety. Mr. Woodhouse is upset. Mr. John Knightley has gotten him stirred up by coming into the room and giving a weather report, saying that the ground is covered with snow. Mr. Woodhouse begins to get agitated about this. Mr. John Knightley supposedly tries to reassure him, but even in doing so, he manages to put the worst face on matters, saying, I admired your resolution in venturing out in such weather. I dare say we shall get home very well. Another hour or two's snow can hardly make the road impassable. And we are two carriages. If one is blown over in the bleak part of the common field, there will be the other at hand. I dare say... We shall all be safe at Hartfield before midnight. This is exactly the wrong thing to say, and they all start worrying about the weather. Now Isabella is infected with this fear. Quote, the horror of being blocked up at Randall's while her children were at Hartfield was full in her imagination. She says to her husband, You had better order the carriage directly, my love. I dare say we shall be able to get along if we set off directly. And if we do come to anything very bad, I can get out and walk. I am not at all afraid. I should not mind walking half the way, End quote. We find out a few paragraphs later that the snow was nowhere above half an inch deep. And we are talking about a trip of three quarters of a mile. So there is a whole lot of anxiety about nothing. But the scene does give us some insight into John Knightley's character, he who is grouchy about going out at all, and Mr. Woodhouse's anxieties and the way that the two can agitate each other. On the return trip to Hartfield, the carriage's occupants are configured somewhat differently. John Knightley, who had ridden with Emma and Mr. Elton, impulsively gets into the carriage with his wife. As a result, Mr. Elton and Emma have what the narrator calls a tete-a-tete drive, as they are alone. Emma is shocked by Mr. Elton's, quote, actually making violent love to her, end quote. In the 19th century context, this means declaring that he is in love with her. He begins with a speech about his adoring Emma and his readiness to die if she refuses him. Emma is quite shocked. She replies, in the words of the narrator, with a mixture of the serious and the playful, which she hoped would best suit his half and half state, end quote. referring to the fact that Mr. Elton has drunk rather too much of Mr. Weston's wine, but this proves a serious miscalculation on Emma's part. She says, I am very much astonished, Mr. Elton. This to me? You forget yourself. You take me for my friend. Any message to Miss Smith, I shall be happy to deliver, but no more of this to me, if you please. Miss Smith? Message to Miss Smith? What could she possibly mean? And he repeated her words with such assurance of accent, such boastful pretense of amazement, that she could not help replying with quickness. Mr. Elton, this is the most extraordinary conduct, and I can account for it only in one way. You are not yourself, or you could not speak either to me or of Harriet in such a matter. Command yourself enough to say no more, and I will endeavor to forget it. She proceeds to confront him with her understanding that it is Harriet Smith whom he is interested in, and he is blown away by such a suggestion. "'Good heaven!' cried Mr. Elton. "'What can be the meaning of this? Miss Smith?' I never thought of Miss Smith in the whole course of my existence, never paid her any attentions but as your friend, never cared whether she were dead or alive but as your friend. If she has fancied otherwise, her own wishes have misled her, and I am very sorry, extremely sorry. But Miss Smith, indeed. Oh, Miss Woodhouse, who can think of Miss Smith when Miss Woodhouse is near? Everything that I have said or done for many weeks past has been with the sole view of marking my adoration of yourself. I am sure you have seen and understood me. Emma is mortified and embarrassed as Mr. Elton goes on to protest, and notice here his mention of Harriet Smith's social standing. I think seriously of Miss Smith, Miss Smith is a very good sort of girl, and I should be happy to see her respectably settled. I wish her extremely well, and no doubt there are men who might not object to, everybody has their level, but as for myself, I am not, I think, quite so much at a loss. I need not so totally despair of an equal alliance as to be addressing myself to Miss Smith. Mr. Elton goes on to say that he has received encouragement from Emma, which Emma denies, but she realizes that she has handled this entire matter of matchmaking rather badly, and it has gotten her into a lot of trouble. So Mr. Elton gets out of the carriage at his vicarage in a very unhappy state, and Emma is quite mortified herself.